This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside NFL analysts for TheLines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. As always, we are taking a look at opening NFL lines, discussing how they might have already moved, how we think they might move closer to game time, and what bets we like for this week. Now, before we dive into today's discussion, make sure to give this video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications so you know every time we post a new video. And as always, if you are listening to us where you get your podcasts make sure to subscribe to the beat the closing line pod and on apple leave a five-star review for your chance to win an amazon gift card the guys are 29 19 and 2 with their picks on the podcast so far eli why don't you talk us through last week i don't know how i got that giants commanders under home (laughs) in overtime with a tie absolutely no idea but i will take it after the thanksgiving under that got backdoored because the Giants scored a touchdown with under 15 seconds left. No clue how that happened, but went 2-0 with my podcast picks. Unfortunately, Mo went 1-1, one one, had to pick the Jets against the Vikings, but I'm going to I'm gonna have to bet against Minnesota this week. A little tease there. So good week for me, not as good of a week for Mo. Wow, Mo, it's like so such a depressing <laughs> intro for you. What do you have I don't to get say? For the clearly right side there? I'm confused. You do. You do. The Jets should have won that game by 10 if they knew how to like, or even just grasp the ball in the end zone. Even if they just, just pissed down their own legs on every <laughs> other red zone before <laughs> the last one, like they did, if dude could just grab the ball with two hands when it hit him in the chest, they would have won the game outright. And I would have not only hit my Jets plus three, but my Jets money line as well. Closed plus two and a half. So let's give a little bit of credit where credit's due here. That was a good wager. Um, I think my best wager was the the three-unit whale play I gave out in the Discord, though. Bills over 23-and-a-half team total. A low-scoring game, and they still went over. No clue how you hit that, but like my under. <laughs> Come on. Giants Don't command. believe in this fraudulent Patriots, unbeatable defense, garbage metrics people are going to throw out there. Feasting on awful quarterbacks, like I said, and instantly allowed 24 points in a game where the bills didn't even bother trying to score in the fourth quarter the instant they had a good quarterback across the line from them and don't worry we're going to talk about more teams that mo thinks are fraudulent later on (laughs) in this video so we'll get into that but all right you guys ready to go into week 14 I can't believe Let's we're at week 14, but all right, we're kicking it off with the five and seven Detroit Lions taking on the 10 and two Minnesota Vikings this Sunday, which Mo has lovingly crowned, I believe, the most fraudulent football team in America, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken. This line has already been on the move. The Vikings were listed as high as three point favorites at the end of November. Now the line sits at Lions minus two and a half. The Lions have now won four of their last five. Eli, what's your pick here? Okay, so in the last 20 years of professional football, there have been 53 teams to start 10-2. and The Vikings have the worst point differential of those 53 teams with a plus 10 point differential overall. The Vikings also have a top three, the third highest turnover differential this season, plus eight in that respective category. So you think about how Minnesota has fared this season, not only with those two, respective stats, but also nine of their 10 wins by one score. If you go back to the one game that wasn't by a touchdown, 
or less, Christian Watson dropped a wide open pass in week one, and the Vikings won that game by two scores. So you go back to last week, I was giving Mo crap at the beginning of the show, but he was on the right side with the Jets. They outgained the Vikings 5.9 to 4.3 yards per play. Vikings were also plus two in turnovers, another category I mentioned earlier. But this Lions offense, I think, is actually, for the first time in about a decade, maybe, since Calvin Johnson, since that Lions team that lost to the Saints in the first round, Lions are 8-0 against the spread with DeAndre Swift in the lineup this season. Now, I'm not saying just follow a trend blindly, but clearly the Lions offense is playing much better with an explosive running back and a two-headed backfield alongside Jamal Williams, who somehow has 14 rushing touchdowns this season. And within that stretch, within that eight-game stretch, the Lions also have a top-five EPA expected points added this season with Swift in the lineup. And then you think about the Vikings' past defense, the Ed Donatel shell zone. Vikings' past defense overall this season ranks 24th in past DVOA, which adjusts for the individual opponent. Jared Goff this season with the 10th highest dropback EPA. So again, back to my point that this Lions offense is for real. And you go back to that week three game that the Lions lost in the final seconds. I think a KJ Osborne touchdown with under a minute to go when the Lions were up by double digits in the second half. Jeff Okuda held Justin Jefferson to just three catches for 14 yards. Now, I'm not saying Okuda has been a, a lockdown corner for the entire season, but I did read Moe's bullet point that the Lions might have a tough time containing Justin Jefferson. So I just wanted to throw that out there that Okuda has done his fair share of positive things against Jefferson this season in their lone matchup. So I think the Lions get revenge against the Vikings this week. I think they cover the two and a half. I I wasn't necessarily going to go that route, but I made this game around a pick minus one. But the more I talk about it, the more I look at the metrics, I do think the Lions win this game by a field goal or more. So I would still bet this at the current number, even though I got it at plus two and a half on Sunday night. That's why you should subscribe to the Lions Discord channel to get the best of the number, but I would still bet it at minus two and a half. Yeah, this one really has me torn because things are finally clicking for Dan Campbell and this Lions team who absolutely dominated the Jags last weekend, but on the other end, and like you mentioned, the Vikings are 9-0 and in games decided by eight or fewer points, and while I know these are super close games and the reason Mo calls them fraudulent they still do find a way to get it done. So while I would love to see a Lions win here, I'm actually going to shy away from betting this matchup after the line has swung the other way. Mo, what are you thinking for this one? Yeah, exactly the same boat as you. I can't bet a number that's this far off the opener and this far off the Vikings minus three look ahead line. This is kind of wild, but at, at the same time, zero shot. I'm clicking on the Vikings uh, in this spot. Uh, Clearly, the market is seeing something in the Lions here. Like Eli said, tons of steam in his favor. Um, That being said, mostly dead numbers, but still a very good spot to be holding a Lions plus ticket here. I don't believe in Minnesota at all. And and, and the way we've seen over the... I mean, Jared Goff is a good quarterback when he has a good pocket. And the Vikings are 10th from the bottom in, in pressure rate. I think he should be able to find some people here. I don't think this team is good. We've talked about it a lot. And dude, the Lions are playing pretty decent football. I, I think I've been probably too low on them the last few weeks. 
That's what I'm saying though, Mo. Don't you think the market maybe has correctly adjusted this number to your point? Yes, it's a big swing in favor of the Lions, but this offense, and, and you bet the Jared Goff, what, regular season passing yards prop over so Touchdowns, you touchdowns. Were, touchdown, passing touchdowns. So you were bullish on this Lions offense to an extent too. Yeah, I mean, I just think like any quarterback that's out there every game can basically roll out of bed and throw 20 plus touchdown passes, but especially when I'm thinking your defense is going to be pretty bad, which was definitely the case for most of the season, but they, they've been playing a much better in recent weeks. I mean, I think everyone expected the Jags to be able to wreck this defense, especially after Trevor Lawrence played so well uh, the prior week. Um, and, and I definitely thought the Giants were going to have more success on the ground. I mean, the Lions are definitely doing better than I have to give the coaching staff credit. I mean, we know this team doesn't have a lot of talent on that side of the ball, so they're they're doing good work. Next up, we have a game that I am personally invested in, and it was truly shocking for me to see my five and seven Steelers as three point favorites against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Now we know that this line has shifted tremendously after Lamar Jackson got hurt last weekend. Harbaugh has said that he is week to week with his injury, but it shouldn't be a season ending injury. If he is out, Huntley will step in at quarterback and Mo, you like the Ravens in this spot. This line is insane to me. Uh, I, I feel like we hear that once a week, <laughs> that exact phrase. I don't know. This is crazy. I, this is a crazy line. This is probably one of the my top five favorite bets of the year, I would say, uh, in the NFL. Whale play. That yeah. is. So just to give people context of where, where this line has gone, the, the look-ahead line was Ravens minus four and a half. I thought that was a good line. I thought that was a fair line. And now we see Ravens plus three. So Lamar Jackson gets hurt and we see a seven and a half point move. Okay. There's no possibility in my mind that Lamar Jackson can possibly be worth seven and a half points to the line, especially when the quarterback that is behind him is Tyler Huntley, who I think is getting massively disrespected by this number. This guy has come in, I think, six-ish games is what we're looking at now where he's had significant action. He has never once embarrassed himself. Um, he's looked like a solid backup and, and piloted the offense in much the same way that Lamar Jackson has. Um, they, he faced an absolutely brutal schedule last year. So the games he played in at Chicago, at Cleveland... And remember, let's remember, Cleveland had a good defense last year, okay? Versus Green Bay, once again, they had a good defense last year. Versus the Rams, they also had a good defense last year. And versus the Steelers. So every game he's facing solid defenses, each one of those teams was at least 14th in defense DVOA last year. And then he faces Denver. We all know this is a top five defense this year. Every single one of those games was outdoors, these are not good conditions and, and November on like cold weather against good defenses. These are not good conditions for uh, a quarterback to produce. So you look at the raw numbers they're not that great. Three touchdowns, five picks. I believe he had in these games, but my eyes told me he was fine. PFF agrees. They gave him a 68 grade last year, which is fine, especially for a backup. Obviously uh, I'm in the same boat. I, I I'm, I think he's just a fine quarterback and, 
I don't see how Lamar Jackson, who, let's be honest, this Ravens offense has not been good for about 75% of this season. And it's the 75% that's the most recent. Okay. So I, I just can't see how Lamar Jackson being how is moving the line seven and a half points here. I get the Steelers are playing better. And I watched, obviously they had that Island game against the Colts. Yes. My eyes tell me this is legitimate and Kenny Pickett is playing better. Uh, but look at the teams they've been facing. I mean, the only good team they face in this stretch is Cincinnati and Cincinnati beat them very convincingly in that game. So I don't understand how this line can move seven and a half points based on Lamar. I, I think Huntley is going to be fine here and I'm very happy to take Ravens plus three, take some money line. This line is coming off the three now though. Hopefully people can still find it when this show goes up. Yeah, I mean, I am seeing the Steelers put a little bit more confidence in Pickett and finally let him take some shots. I will agree he is playing better with you. Not sure I can get behind a Steelers as three-point favorites. Their second-half offense just needs so much work. It come, came down to the wire again against the Falcons. It absolutely did not need to. With Huntley's running abilities, I might wait and see what the prop market looks like for an anytime touchdown score for him. But with the spread and it moving, I'm actually going to I'm not going to bet that one, but might take a look at props a little bit later when they come out. Eli, what do you think on this one? Speaking of anytime touchdown scores, I don't know if you guys saw the what was it like a 10 leg parlay that had Mike Evans as the last leg for an anytime <laughs> touchdown score to win. Over six figures, and of course, he doesn't score on Monday Night Football against the Saints. Go figure. But back to to most point, I do think the Ravens are the right side, especially with this drastic of a of a line move. While the Ravens' offense is tough to trust, and I got to give Nicole crap because, of course, she jinxed the Ravens and their injury luck going back to the offseason in our first ever beat the closing line podcast but this Ravens defense is playing really good football since they acquired Roquan Smith the former Bears middle linebacker Ravens allowing the third fewest expected points added per play overall since week nine so that correlates to Roquan Smith being inserted into the lineup and I do think they're going to be able to limit Kenny Pickett enough here so I I lean Ravens at the points even if you can get a juiced plus three for Baltimore next up we have our WTF segment of the day. What the f***? Which is really just going to be me complaining about my horrid (laughs) sports weekend. You know, I'm bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, so happy on Friday. (laughs) Telling the guys, like, this is a USC fan account today. I've got my gear on, ready to go to the Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. I'm excited. I'm in a USC fan section. I'm right next to the Trojan marching band, the Spirit of Troy. What could go better? We're up (laughs) 17-3 to in the first half with a chance to just basically end it before going into the half. And then Kayla Williams injures himself on a 60 yard run and the whole thing spirals. And then because I'm a good Patriot, I get home at midnight from that game and I have to be up at five o'clock in the morning to get to some Irish pub um, off of the strip so that I can watch the U S men's national team get absolutely crushed on Saturday morning. So last weekend was just a really struggle bus of a weekend for me. Steelers won, but makes up for it a little bit. But yeah, it was just horrendous for me. And I know you've got 
maybe a, a, some some stats, Eli, that show that it might have been a more horrendous weekend for some Caleb Williams betters. Yeah, first of all, I would say what the bleep to anybody that told me if I got back at midnight to wake up at 4.30, probably you had to wake up at 4.30 to get to a bar by 5 a.m. in the morning. Zero shot. Zero shot I ever do that in my life. Well, I had to be there. The game was at 7 a.m. because soccer hates the West Coast. And if you don't, if right. you get there at 7 a.m., you're never getting a seat. I had about like a 20-minute drive. So, yeah, I was up at like 5-ish to get ready. I looked like an American flag in my red, white, and blue <laughs> outfit that I then had to go to Target at, in afterwards. So that was phenomenal, looking like an American flag walking through Target. But, yeah, it was... um. I'm not. I'm glad I don't have to do that again now that the U.S. is yes. out, and then in four years we'll be in the United States, so it'll the times will be a little bit more friendly. Right, but back to the <laughs> Pac-12 championship game. I saw this on Scott Van Pelt for their segment, and Caleb Williams had a rushing yards prop of 32 in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. He had 65 rushing yards with 1410 left in the game and four sacks later, because in college they account for sacks as negative rushing yards. He finished with 21 <laughs> rushing yards. Just imagine that you're sitting pretty. You're saying, okay, I'm plus 33. Even with a couple of sacks, there's no shot. The rushing yards proper little to no chance that the rushing yards prop goes under. And it does. I would have bred probably more livid than even if I was a USC <laughs> fan. And if I had to deal with that loss. So I apologize, Nicole. Yeah, those poor betters, too, who were probably thinking that like maybe a backup was going to come in after you see Caleb Williams right. limping to and from the sideline come to find out. He told Lincoln Riley, you're absolutely not taking me out of this game. So I am sorry if you had uh, that wager. That definitely sucks for you. And if you were at that game and you had that wager, it sucks even more. <laughs> so, yeah. Mo, what about you? You had a little bit of a tough weekend with the Saints as well. Well, I guess I not weekend on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> but first off, I want to call out Eli. That's embarrassing. You're <laughs> embarrassing. You're still in your 20s. Why? You can't get up at 5 a.m. when you're still in your 20s. Wait till you hit your 30s. Good luck. I was 30 for like a week when I got up. So, <laughs> I mean, it was an extra struggle for me at that point. Yeah. I could do it in college. I could do it in college for <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. There's no shot I could do it anymore. I could do it for sports, but for drinking and sports, I don't think I could handle it. I had a coffee at the I had a coffee at seven in the morning for that uh for that soccer game. But that's for sports. I'm trying that's to true. like I'm trying to get into it. You know, I have four years to like really get into it. And like, you know, for when it comes to the U S I was never going to Qatar cutter, however you prefer to pronounce it. But like, you know, I feel like I got to get myself into it when it comes here because everyone keeps telling me the men's national team is supposed to be in their prime when it's here. So we'll see how that bodes out for us. <laughs> but Mo, did you want to talk about the saints or do you want to just, sure. Real just quick, pass I just want to say, had to listen to Buck and Aikman Talk about how great Tom Brady is as he puked all over the field for three and three quarters. That might not even be enough, honestly. Three quarters of a quarter. I don't know, whatever. And then I lose when I was about to have some equity if the Saints could just hold on. But right. people are giving Brady credit for somehow for winning that game when the game would have been over like three times if somebody in 
the Saints were wearing white, right? If the somebody <laughs> in white could just grasp a football thrown by Andy, I feel bad for Andy Dalton. As annoyed as I am, uh, I was not, I was about to be in a coin flip for my plus three fifty. But it was not his fault. That was not it was not his fault. He threw multiple strikes that could have ended the game and people just couldn't hold on to them. Pathetic stuff. Or just go for it on fourth down, too. That might in Mark Ingram. Or just stay in bounds. Thanks, Mark Ingram. (laughs) Maybe maybe some warrior mentality one time, (laughs) Mark. Can you just fight through it for four extra inches, buddy? For everyone (laughs) in the world that bet the Saints and for your teammates. Come on. Should we give Fair Mo point. a few few million tear his hamstring and see if he can keep it in bounds with the 250-pound <laughs> defender running at him? We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, back to week 14. And Mo, we're coming back to you. The Bucks are coming off of a late fourth quarter rally. <laughs> we just talked about this. To beat the Saints during a Monday Night Football 17 to 16, we just went over all of the ways that that game could have gone differently. Now they are going to face off against the 49ers this weekend who have lost quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo for the season with a broken foot. The team will now start Brock Purdy, who has shown that he can get the job done after he had a big win against the Dolphins on Sunday. This line has moved in the Bucks' favor, but most you still like them here at plus four yeah really interesting move here uh this is another qb injury spot but this time i'm on the other side of it where i'm looking to fade the qb injury we saw jimmy garoppolo go out we see something pretty come in unlike tyler huntley i have no confidence whatsoever in something pretty seventh round rookie i watched this guy several times at iowa state i never ever thought i was seeing a future pro although he was hyped as a potential first rounder early in his career when he broke out uh never came to fruition never really improved in his multiple seasons as iowa state starter i'm stunned that he's being given the ball right now i think they could probably pull any veteran off the street like they did with Josh Johnson and they would likely get a better performance. I know that Shanahan has a complex system, but I mean, this is still a seventh round rookie. It's not like he's been in the system for multiple years and and he's just ready to come in and, and press the buttons that, that Jimmy G is. I mean, say what you want about Jimmy G and I definitely have, I mean, everyone has, he's just a roughly average quarterback, but the team's offense has performed tremendously with him taking the snaps. And I don't think a two and a half point move is really what should be happening here. I, I'm stunned that the Bucks are getting this many points at their plus four this morning. I think it moved back to plus three and a half kind of seems to be bouncing around a little bit. 
I liked the Bucks on the look ahead uh, when they were plus six and a half already. I thought that was pretty crazy. I thought that was quite a bit too high, um, at least a couple points. But now I'm like, okay, the Bucks definitely shouldn't even be getting three here, and yet they're they're getting this many points. Uh, I, I know that the Bucks stunk yesterday, but. I still have them borderline top 10 in my power ranking. I'm not going to give them too much of a dent because they played a game against a division foe that has always done well against them and was playing for their season. I mean, the Saints, this was do or die. This was the end of the Saints season if they lost, and they did. So you were going to get the Saints' best effort against their division rival. That's why even though I kind of thought the Bucks should have been bigger favorites. I couldn't really bet it just because I knew that we were going to see peak Saints basically in this game. And it's a spot where the Saints have just always seemed to like have a good plan for for what to do uh, against against uh, this Bucks offense. So we get away from that situation and we're facing a Niners defense that basically thrives bringing pressure. I, I think the Niners are likely the best defense in the league. Um, I know the metrics say the Cowboys are, but I would take the Niners. But that being said, they're thriving on pressure, and we saw that against Tua, and this ain't going to be Tua. Okay, Tua against pressure, yeah, I expected him to crumble, and he did. This is 25-year veteran Tom Brady. He's not just going to you know, give the ball away four times, and, and the Bucks have done a great job keeping him clean. Number one in adjusted sack rate this year. Uh, Brady knows where his bread is buttered. He knows he's awful. He knows he can't get the ball downfield. He's just going to dump it off 30 times like he did against the Saints. (laughs) And I think that could be enough to get to 17 points. That's all we're going to need here. The total is 37 in this game. Okay. So I don't expect Purdy to have as much success as he did against a mediocre to bad Miami defense. Okay, this is the Bucks. They are top 10 in defense DVOA. They are great against opposing passing games. So, yeah, I don't think this line should be above three. So much disrespect for Purdy. You can't even call him by his first name. Eli, do you agree here with His Bo? brother's a bum for Nebraska, <laughs> too. Wow. Taking so shots at the whole so this, family. Yeah, the whole, not a, no family member is safe with Mo this weekend. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mo. I, I understand you're paid. But I I think Mo and I might be in lockstep for pretty much every game we discuss. Granted, he doesn't love Lions minus two and a half, but he did make the point that it is a dead number still under a field goal to an extent. A little bit different now with maybe two being more of a key number than in years past because of two-point conversions. But I digress. The Bucks are 500 this season with a minus two-point differential. So pretty much the definition of... Of average, you're going up against an elite defense, which Mo mentioned in the Niners. But this Bucks defense, even after losing Shaq Barrett, is still top ten in the NFL. Now they can get exposed against the run. Bottom, I think bottom fifteen below average across the league in opponents rushing EPA. And obviously Shanahan thrives with that zone rushing scheme. So I don't know if I can necessarily get behind the play, but with Steam coming in towards San Francisco a little bit, I do think there's Slightly more value with the Bucs sitting around four, four and a half than there was, even though it was over a key number at around three, three and a half on the look ahead. 
All right, final game of the week, guys, is going to be the Chargers, who are facing off against the Miami Dolphins at home for Sunday night football. Both teams are dealing with offensive line injuries, but the Dolphins probably come into this matchup a little bit healthier overall. Eli, you were waiting for some injury news to come out before you made a final decision on this one. So what have you seen so far as we like before we came into filming? <laughs> Well, I did make a final decision because I saw a Chargers plus three plus 105 right before we taped this podcast on Tuesday afternoon. So getting over plus money on Chargers at a key number, even though it's not over a key number at three and a half, I still liked. And the Chargers have some injury concerns on their offensive line. Not only is Rashawn Slater, the left tackle out. I think back in week four for the entire season, but they're likely or potentially going to be without their center and Corey Lindsley, the rookie Zion Johnson, and also the right tackle Trey Pipkins this week. And the Dolphins can generate pressure, but their pass defense is still very susceptible. They rank number 23 in the NFL in pass DVOA. It's tough to trust Herbert this season, ranks 20th in dropback EPA, but I do think He'll be able to take advantage of still a banged up Dolphins secondary and an exploitable Miami secondary at that. Also likely getting Mike Williams back, a healthier Mike Williams than he was against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. He's expected to practice in full at some point this week and expected to practice on Wednesday. And to most point, I think you made the point about Tua and Looking back at his numbers in the second half of the season, how he's quote-unquote putting up MVP numbers against the Lions, the Bears, the Browns, the Texans, and didn't have a great performance against the Steelers, but didn't throw an interception, and Pittsburgh dropped probably three or four picks in the rain in that game. So I do think Tua is being slightly overvalued by the market, especially with some steam coming in on Miami as early as Monday morning, bumping this up to a juiced Miami minus three. Chargers have a slightly above average secondary and they're generating the fifth highest pressure rate in the NFL. I know the defensive front is a little bit banged up, obviously, without one of the best edge rushers in the league in Joey Bosa. But if they can get pressure on a Miami offensive line that ranks bottom 10 in pass protection, I think the Chargers can win this game outright. But I took the plus three plus 105 at Caesars, which you could find over at thelines.com. And you guys are kind of in lockstep this week because, Mo, I think you agree with Eli on this one. Yeah, a lot of agreement this week. I am <laughs> I love the Chargers as well. I, I didn't realize they had quite that many injuries on their offensive line, so I'll definitely be keeping track of that. But that being said, um, Herbert has been a quarterback who has thrived under pressure in his career. Um, I think... I think he did better under pressure than not last year or maybe the year before, but yeah, he's, he's not a player who is going to crumble under the face of, of, uh, Miami's. I think they're one of the most frequently blitzing teams this year. Um, yeah, I would obviously love to grab plus three and a half, but also I'm, I'm in complete agreement with Eli that, uh, I think the Chargers money line is the play. There should be a ton of scoring in this game. Not a game where I'm expecting the points to necessarily help you all that much compared to some of the other matchups. Like I was talking about with that, that 49ers bucks game, like you're looking at a total of 37 there. I mean, three, four points is massive in that sort of game, but this game could be a lot higher scoring. So I like chargers money line. Um, 
yeah, th- this team does tend to like have some kind of crazy results either way, like lost by 14 to the Seahawks, lost by seven to the Raiders, you know, and, and then they, you know, were like a play or two away from beating the Chiefs both times. Like this, this team is not one where I'm like, okay, the market's probably on there and this, you know, half point either way is going to sway me uh, on, on the line. So I'd rather just grab Chargers money line, I think, but three and a half seems good too. I, I'm shocked how putrid their pass rush has been uh, relative to the talent they have. I, I still believe in this Chargers roster, man. This is such a good team on paper. And, and yeah, I, I think they're capable of much better than they've shown. We'll see if they can put up the performance they need to this weekend. As always, thanks for tuning in. We will be back on Thursday with an interview and good luck on all your wagers this weekend. We'll see you guys next time.